What's going on, guys? Uh, this is Jordan Smart here. I'm not going to do the arm thing, but I accidentally already did it. Um, we are excited to be back for Affirmative Interaction. Uh, I am your host, hopefully favorite host, uh, Jordan Smart. We are here with Mike Nixon, Logan Stout, Simone Marshall Hayes, and Adrian and Esther Battle Marston. You know, I have to say, I like the hyphenated energy. I feel like it's very progressive. I might do that too. Yeah. So this is very important. Come on, wait, are you getting married? Are you dropping news? Yeah. Okay, who's paying for it? Well, okay, um, thank you so much. <laughs> Please let me do the intro. This is my life's work. Um, we are so glad that you guys have joined us today. We have some very great and big news. We have a podcast, and of course, we do. This is a video podcast, but we also have this show in audio form. Special thank you to Adrian for working so hard in setting this up and having it on iTunes. It's on iTunes podcast right now. You can subscribe. Please leave a review. Give us a five-star rating, and welcome to Danielle Bernard. We're so glad to have you back. Yeah. Hey, let's go. And Jordan, just to, to add, we, we're working on getting it on Spotify also. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But we definitely are hyped that it's on Apple. So, yeah, man, we're, we're excited. We're excited. Excellent. With that being said, uh, Adrian, I know you've been busy helping us behind the scenes, which, again, we very much appreciate. But what else has been going on in uh, your life right now? Well, we are officially... Maryland residents. Yeah. Hey. Here in the DMV. Oh uh, man, last couple of days been kind of kind of crazy. crazy. <laughs> um, I don't want to speak. I guess you can, can kind of share on, on what we've been busy with. I feel like I don't want to talk too much on it, but yeah. Well, we move, but we don't have any furniture. So you know, right now our apartment is just cardboard boxes from a bunch of Ikea things that we bought in the last two days. We have a bed. We stayed up till 3 a.m. putting that thing together. It was a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, just lots of building and hammering and driving back and forth to Ikea and carrying heavy boxes. Yeah, so that's been keeping us super busy. Ikea. But we're so, we're so excited. So excited. <clears throat> That's good. Happy to hear. That is honestly the magic of Ikea. Um, cheap furniture, bad a price. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> Logan, uh, please tell us how have you been since last you've been on the show? Yeah, uh, it's been a good week. Fourth of July, not too active. It was kind of fun. I had a, a friend that had came through and my friend Mackenzie, and we kind of just, I mean, we social distance chilled most of the weekend. We went on a bike ride uh, like every day. He likes to ride bikes, so we did that. It was fun in Oakland. We went down to Oakland, um, like downtown Oakland where Lake Merritt is, and we were watching fireworks. And, you know, Oakland is, is not a real place many times. Like, I don't know if you've seen the show, like, uh, what do they call her? Um, permit. Uh, Patty or Barbecue Becky, I think they call her on YouTube. That's like Lake Merritt is right where that happened. So there's always now like these celebratory cookouts that they constantly have. And 4th of July, they don't set off city fireworks, but people just set off fireworks, which have been going for about a month now. But people were setting off fireworks in the street, which was like at a red light. 
it, I put it on my Instagram. It was so funny to watch because cars were so mad and they were shooting like ad cars, which I shouldn't have laughed, but I was dying. And some some woman was like, you think this is funny? And I was like, I think this is hilarious. And <laughs> she didn't think I was funny, but it was a, that was a good time watching all of these fireworks and people in the middle of the street, literally. Not like kind of in the street, like in the middle of an intersection, Grand Avenue, a main road. People just shooting fireworks at cars. And I was just like, Oakland isn't real, but I'm really happy that this is happening right now. So it was a good time. That's good. That's good. You know, I mean, you know, hopefully next year we can see you out in the street. Exactly. Doing the same. I feel like this is the start of an origin story with that being the end. Uh, Mike, so how was your 4th of July weekend? Uh, I mean, it was just a weekend. I mean, it wasn't really anything 4th of July related about it. So, I mean, shout out to all y'all who loved it 4th of July. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think it was fine. I, You know, just here in Berrien Springs, Michigan. Yeah. Oh, no, no claps. No claps. Everybody was clapping for the DMV. Okay. That's cool. No, we can um, But, no, the weekend was good. And, um, you know, just, just kind of, you know, still at the house mostly. But um, earlier, well, I guess it was the the week before, my pop celebrated a birthday, so got to. I think it was the it was the weekend before actually. So shout out to him for for that. I think we talked about that on the pod already. But uh, yeah, just um doing good. I did want to shout out this shirt that I have on. I know I'm like plugging other people's stuff all the time, but um, Pastor uh, Icky Timey. It says Seek Justice. I don't know if you can see that well, and then I'll show you the back. Um, I don't know. Can you read that? Can Add yeah, for Black Lives Matter. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Pastor Icky timey he hit me up, and um, he just sent me three of these shirts. Uh, one for Tasi, uh, one for my pops as well. Um, and, and so it, it's based out of uh, One House, which is the Southern California Conference's Senior Youth and Adult Department, and uh, they're just showing you know, solidarity and support for uh, Black Lives Matter. And so I definitely told him I appreciated it. He just like hit me up on Facebook and was like, yo, what's your address? I want to send you some shirts. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know what it was going to be. So um, big shout out to him. And if you're interested in getting one or ordering one for sure, uh, you can reach out to him. If you search one house on Facebook, it should pop up. I'm pretty sure. Um, and I can get you more info on how to get a shirt. But um, thanks for the support. And um, yeah, so I just thought I would share that. I would love a shirt. Very good. I, I feel like if you get to a certain height of clout, people just send you free. Oh, so my congrats. Yeah, no, this is oh, like, hey, you're, you're low key a model, bro. If, if we're being high key, I mean, that's what we just witnessed. He yeah. literally did the front, he did the turnaround. Yeah. Can y'all see it? Can y'all read this? Can y'all see it? <laughs> oh man! Message. Oh, okay. And they left yeah. no out, but we'll forgive. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah they, they don't have the children joints yet, so we're know, working on it. We'll, we'll get there, I'm yeah. sure. No, I'm a large. That's crazy. It's really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Simone, how have you been this past week? I've been good. We are. As you guys know, we were kind of like in Nashville for a while, and now we're back um, in Nova in Northern Virginia. Um, 
No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're back in Northern Virginia and the fire, listen, we were over here low key, you know, kind of like not with the 4th of July energy, like protest energy. Yeah, but then like the fireworks were like right outside of our window. So we're like watching all these fireworks that are coming in from DC by the Memorial and by the Potomac Yard. So um, that was beautiful, not gonna lie, but um, still with the protest energy, but it was good. Um, we're, we're settling back in. So we're just happy to be back in a more regular schedule kind of thing. Welcoming our friends here. We're so excited you guys are in the DMV area, it's great. Very good, very good. Yeah, good and Danielle. Oh, uh, so sorry, my <laughs> condolences um, for your loss of friendship. Uh, Danielle. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle, we're glad that you're back um, yes. on the show. And we're also equally as excited that you're also in the, in the uh, DMV, too. So how have you been adjusting? You know, I know you started a new job this week. Super excited to hear a little bit more about that. Uh, yeah, so my life since I moved back has been pretty crazy because, you know, the whole relocation thing. Uh, but also my stuff, most of my stuff didn't get here till yesterday. So, like, my furniture, all of the things I had in Berrien got here yesterday, which happened to be, like, the hottest day ever. It felt like hell outside. And after work, we were just, like, assembly lining to get all my stuff in the apartment. And so now everything is just in boxes. Um, but at least I had my stuff and only one thing broke in transport. So uh, that's that's pretty good to me. Uh, yeah, like work has been good so far. All the, all the onboarding and just really enjoying the team, knowing that I can contribute to PG County where I grew up, you know, and be part of that. Uh, and vacation was great. Um, definitely needed. Everyone should take a vacation at some point. Yeah, I need it. Yeah. Me too. I Somebody will probably buy you a vacation, Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. We just Send keep it going. <laughs> hey, I, my, my DMs are open for a, a, a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> we believe Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh man, I feel like it's so difficult to remember to take a vacation because you know everyone we're all at home already. We feel like we can't go anywhere, but definitely glad that you got to have that rest, you know, because rest is super important, especially now. Um, all right, so glad that everyone is doing well. I'm just gonna start saying things, and then that's how our show is gonna begin. Um, uh, the life of Pablo. Uh, yay. Uh, what are some of the other albums? Um, uh, my dark, twisted, uh, beautiful fantasy that's beautiful. We got it, yeah. Um, all lives matter, all lives matter. Slavery was a choice. Slavery was a choice. I'll let you finish, okay? These are all terms associated with one man, and that man is Kanye West. You love him, you hate him, it doesn't matter now because he might be your president. So uh, this past Saturday night, Kanye West tweeted that he wants to run for president in 2020. And just to be clear, this is four months before the election. And uh, here's a tweet that he said, we must now realize 
the promise of America by trusting God, unifying our vision and building our future. I am running for president of the United States. <laughs> and this is what he wrote on Independence Day. And then he ended it with the hashtag 2020 vision, which is clever. I mean, I feel like, if, look, someone should have done that already. I mean, come on, this is the only year to do it. But it's also kind of cringe. So Kanye is running for president. And, it, you know, there have been a lot of discussions on what does this mean? Who is this for? Who prayed for this? And will this actually have an effect on what November will look like going forward? So I'm super interested to hear your thoughts because I know you guys are huge um, Kanye fans. Um, I am also, I know all of his songs by heart if I read it from my phone. So <laughs> guys, please, please tell me what you think about Kanye running for president. Oh man. I, in some ways, I kind of feel like this, there was only other, well, let, let me start off by saying this. Kanye forever, uh, throughout his career, um, loves to be the center of attention. Um, I think that's what's kind of always drawn people to him and his music was like his confidence, his arrogance, like his narcissism that he kind of owns. Um, you know, like when you hear like watch the throne, that's that that's the kind of swag in, in the lyrics that you can just really click with. And in some ways, um to make that tweet is like it's it's not less it's not about like the shock of it. I guess more so of like the 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 reminder of like the spectacle of what it is to Kanye West. Like this is just something that shouldn't surprise any of us that he would do something like this. But I think what I will say is it's hard to not view this. And while I do know he, he did talk about running for president uh, a number of years ago, but we all just thought like, as is Kanye talking crazy. Um, I feel like in some ways, uh, since the 2016 uh, presidential campaign with Trump, um, it, it kind of opened a door for like anyone. <laughs> like the bar is now like the floor and um what we saw already, which was like popularity being the primary motive for certain politicians, it's like you can remove politician out and just simply look at popularity and say, oh, you know, Kanye's running for president. I'm definitely going to vote for him. Um, and and I mean, we'll, we can probably unpack all of that within the next few minutes. But for sure, it I while it doesn't surprise me. I do think the thought crossed his mind um, to announce it when he saw how effective Trump was in his political campaign. And now um, there there is a sense of like humor, but it's also a little embarrassing. Like, bruh, we, we went from Obama with the chivalry and the charisma he had uh, to Kanye West announcing his presidential campaign in a tweet with no context that, and I don't know, I, I feel like we're a laughing stock to the world, man. Like it's, 
Uh, and it all stems from 2016, honestly. Oh, welcome, Garrison. Thank you. Uh, I, I do want to just make abundantly clear that Garrison is the biggest Kanye fan in this show, and I'm just interested <laughs> to hear his takes here. Um, I, 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 definitely, I definitely agree with your, with your sentiments, Adrian, because... Keep me lifted. Oh, oh, no. No. Kanye West 2020, baby. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I'm very, very kidding. I'm a, little, I'm a little embarrassed that we're even, like, talking about this as much as we are. Um, Kanye West did not make the deadlines for literally any of the party <laughs> ticket platforms. Like, he can't run as a Democrat. He can't run as a Republican. He has not made the deadlines to even register yeah. and he has like as of today he has eight days for like some major states to get like three percent of like the voter base in a state to sign a petition to, to this is a non this is a non-issue oh, Kanye West is about to drop new music guys yeah he's about to drop new music so he needed a couple of headlines to make sure that the drops really hit now I have a really big presentation tomorrow, so I'm, I'm gonna get out of here. But that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thank you, Kanye's media team supervisor, for dropping uh, <laughs> in and giving us that uh, knowledge. I, I just want to say real quick, I'm gonna be brief. Um, this is extremely on brand for 2020 vision. Like this is like if if 2020 vision were a political campaign, it would be Kanye West tweeting out that he's running for president. Um, it's it's a complete joke. Um, I don't want to see it. I don't think anybody needs it. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, yeah, it, it's just it's just hard to really even grasp or fathom why, why we're here. Um, but to Adrian's point, I think he's so He's so caught up in, you know, what it means to be Kanye that um, this is completely rational behavior to him. Like, oh, of course I can announce that I'm president. And of course, everybody will vote for me. I'm Kanye West. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's really a it, it's a it's a distraction. It'll hopefully be out of our faces soon. But I mean, hey, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, I think that um, Kanye just hasn't had his name out there in a bit. Like, it's been a little too long. People aren't really talking about Sunday services because they can't happen. And he needs to have, like, a constant media stream. Um, so I think part of it is that he's not actually going to run for president, but I do think that there are people out there who will legitimately believe that Kanye West could be the next president of the United States. He, again, someone without any political like background or knowledge of how to actually run a country or a city or a town or a household. Like it's all just it's marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I have to agree, Danielle, because when I first heard this, I really got terrified. It reminded me of when I first heard a couple years ago that The Rock was thinking of running for president. 
And I'm like, yo, like Trump has terrified me so much. I'm like, I feel like anyone could run for president. It could be, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to name people. You gonna hit Putin with the rock Wayne bottom? Let's see, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how I do. It doesn't matter what. Yo, I'm screaming. My bad. Go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. But I mean, I, I think that's like that, that's kind of the that's kind of like I think the catch twenty two with it where. It's really funny to watch. It's funny to you know to to it's it's funny to see a train wreck happen in real time, or maybe scary. It depends on the angle you're taking. And it's like this idea of anyone could become president, which I think in a way it's definitely true. And I feel like I'm glad that people are inspired after Obama, but then there are even more people inspired in a terrible way after Trump, where it just feels like the door is just wide open for really any kind of catastrophe <laughs> to come through. And no offense to people, but it's like people will just vote for anybody if the conditions are right. So if I have to see a rock bottom during The Rock's inaugural speech, I have to move to Canada. (laughs) I think one thing that's so crazy to me is that I have been, basically since the beginning, I was like, oh, I'm not even acknowledging this. But then I thought the same thing about Donald Trump. So I'm like actually having to check myself just in the fact that I think it's still important for us to speak in a strong way, in a clear way on this, because I like literally, I remember there was, I mean, my dad called me today. He was talking about this whole Mary Trump thing in her book coming out and, and how, you know, she said that you know, he was kind of like a, a joke kind of thing. And I was like, man, I, or like her, I think her mom said that he, that Donald Trump running from the presidency was like, he was never going to be taken seriously. And now this man has been our president for four years, four painful years. And so the, I think the challenge for me is that I want to just write it off, but I've done that in the past and it definitely did not go the way that I thought it would go. Um, I was alarmed, you know, obviously I think we all were when the results went the way they did, but does that mean that we have to acknowledge every sort of like candidate that comes through that's not even worth really talking about or like not even worth the time? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a hard call. It's kind of a hard decision there um, given our past or present. That's a very, I think that's a very strong point. And I actually want to push this question to you guys, to everyone too. It's like, you know, just like what Simone was saying, has has Trump, you know, I think Trump has kind of pushed our radars up. It's made us more aware, especially of who's running for president. Is this something that we should keep? Is this a, a practice we should keep doing? Because we didn't take Trump seriously, I would say. And then now we're here. So should we continue that kind of attitude moving forward? What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, first of all, like, we should probably take these things seriously. But this shows us how uneducated our voter base is in um, the United States. The fact that Donald Trump won and, you know, is easily the most, like, he lies more than anyone in political history probably combined and like we have have a history of terrible terrible things that have been lied about kind of wild but um 
yeah, so the fact that it's even being taken seriously or I've seen people um, that I would consider on my social media to not really have maybe a great political understanding being like, you know, I feel like he could do a solid job. And I'm like, well, what is what is a solid, like, what, he could get us the most likes on a Instagram post any president's ever gotten? Like, he could drop an album during the, the presidency. But, like, to, to take this a little further, I found some things that are interesting um, about this. I, I also said, if you're, like, a white person, let me, let me, because, you know, they say we make everything about racism. But if you had a, a tweet um, or a Facebook post this disregarding Kanye West as a serious candidate, but you never had a tweet or a Facebook post disregarding Donald Trump as a serious candidate. I have a problem with that. Um, Donald Trump, because he was a, a family made billionaire from his like uh, parents becoming a president is not a reason to take him more serious than Kanye West, who is just like a musician that, you know, became a, a billionaire or whatever he is. He's, you know, is, is he a billionaire? It's kind of, I don't know how that billionaire thing works. I don't keep up, but um, I will, I'm going to point out something interesting though. Donald Trump has yet to tweet at Kanye West since he announced his presidency, which Donald Trump tweets at everyone that comes against him in any way, shape or form. And Kanye West probably got more likes on his presidential tweet than any tweet that Cory Booker tweeted and he tweeted about Cory Booker or any tweet that Pete Buttigieg tweeted like and he went after Pete Buttigieg. I wonder why. Why do y'all think that uh, Donald Trump doesn't seem to see Kanye as an attack? And uh, do you think that's a little more planned than we're giving it credit for? I personally think they're in cahoots. I think that this is all a ploy to split the vote. I don't know how effective it'll be considering what everybody said about like how he's late for every sort of every deadline. How he can't actually run for president at this point, but it makes sense to me that Kanye, who's been Trumping like a Trump fan for the past four years, pretty consistently and then randomly is like, I'm also running for president just before the election. Seems to me like, um, an attempt to maybe, I don't, I don't like split the vote, but again, like, I don't know, I don't know if that's actually possible. Like, I know people can write him in. I don't know, like, how effective that would actually be. But it, it is weird to me that Kanye, who has been a Trump supporter all this time, is now running against, running against him. Like, that doesn't make sense. I think another thing that I've seen kind of happening on, on social media is when we look into the context of how um, horrible Trump is polling, like how terrible his approval rating is in the midst of COVID and the, the way he's handled the protests. And then you look at national polling, you look at swing state pollings and how Biden is ridiculously ahead of him in so many different polls. I think when I see this one, I see um, a sense of urgency from the Trump administration, where that's kind of like what Esther was saying. Um, I think they're at a point where like, we are willing to try anything to cipher down, to, to calm down this um, amazing run Biden has had in these polls. I think that's the first thing. The second thing that I think what I've seen in response to um, Kanye mentioning this, 
was there is a number of conversations where you have people making a tweet like, do not write Kanye in on the ballot, vote for Biden. And then the conversation immediately goes into what exactly makes Biden better than Kanye. And then the conversation transitions to a number of things where we bring up Biden's past, we bring up the sexual assault allegations. And I think what I've started to notice is it is less about uh, Kanye stealing votes from Biden himself, but more so about the idea of Kanye fueling the lack of uh, excitement many people have about this election to begin with, because both party, uh, both parties' candidates seem to not be in high uh, hopes. Do not be in high. They're not in high regard on for for many young voters. And I think what we may see here is uh, the same thing we saw in 2016, which is a very low young voter turnout because no one is excited about either of these candidates. And then when you bring in Kanye into this context, it forces you to compare Kanye to Biden. And then when you compare Kanye to Biden, you're reminded of how unexcited you are about Biden. And, and so it, I, I think it may it's troubling to see how the conversations of the lack of excitement about Biden have re-emerged in the, in the wake of Kanye announcing his presidency. And I think that is what I'm a little nervous about. I 100% I agree with that. I was starting to see the parallels between how um, write-in ballot, write-in votes, and then also kind of discrediting the Democratic candidate has been the way uh, the system has gone for the past few years, especially with 2016. It was attempted with President Obama, especially in his second term, but um, it didn't work then. And I can definitely see that happening again, where people are like, well, we're choosing between two evils. So either I'm not gonna vote, I'm gonna write in Batman, or I'm gonna write in Kanye. Um, and then you have again, a situation where there's a popular vote versus the electoral college. Yeah. And that will leave us for probably another four years of Donald Trump. But I also started thinking about, especially in context of the election with COVID, I started thinking about how American exceptionalism has fueled this and has failed us. This idea that like everything in America is great, we're the best example of democracy in the world, has led us to get to a point where when you tell kids that they can be anything they want, like you can be president of the United States, that is, that's not true. Not everyone can be president of the United States, but we say that as Americans, we can do absolutely anything. And so I think that these past few years and recently with COVID has shown us that America can't do anything that there has to be some type of parameters and that somehow this American experience, experiment isn't working anymore. So there needs to be a way to change whatever's happening, especially with our voting system and the governmental power structure. So um, yeah, I mean, America is definitely not great because you can have a Donald Trump and a Kanye West decide to run for president whenever. Um, and I think that 
really puts us in a poor situation on the global scale as well. Yeah, I think I think I'll also say, um, you know, the one theory because I do see some valid validity to the idea that you know Kanye could be working in support of Trump or to divert attention. Um, but I think another potential theory around why um, Trump has not engaged with Kanye or said anything in response is I don't think that Trump takes Kanye seriously. And that's a pretty stinging and telling indictment for someone like Kanye West to receive from somebody as deficient as Donald Trump. The fact, I mean, to, and, and oftentimes his relationship with black persons in particular, and I'm speaking about Trump, um, is it's always transactional. It's always been that way. He only he only started, you know, renting his properties to African-Americans when he was sued because he wasn't. And so now, all right, I'll I'll let, allow them to rent from here, but we'll probably charge them more, which oftentimes happens in the city. Um, you know, landlords won't necessarily exclude blacks from their buildings, but they'll make them pay more in rent. And that's something that Trump did as well. So. It's transactional. It's how can if if I if you have to be in my presence, how can I benefit from it? Because you know I'm not really here necessarily to benefit you. And his whole attitude politically is, what do you have to lose? Which is just a you know a, a load of crap. And so I think that um, what's sad is that I don't think that Kanye necessarily recognizes that because I think there is a piece of you know. Well, you know the old Kanye West, you know, cared about black people. And um, and and the old Kanye West said Bush doesn't care about black people, and the fact that he hasn't been able to say that Trump doesn't as well is is pretty indicative of whatever's happened with him. Um, and people's perspectives changes or whatever. You know, he's entitled to that, but uh, the way that he has been a safe space for anti-blackness. Um, has obviously been troubling and hurtful for someone who's a who's a former fan um, of what he was about and his music. But I hope that he can recognize the fact that he's making himself look really bad, I think, once again. And he ultimately, I think Trump is just dismissive of of whatever it is he represents. And and that should be hopefully um you know, instructive for him going forward as far as uh, who he should be aligning himself with. So I just do want to say real quick that Trump actually, now that we mention it, did uh, speak on Kanye deciding to run for president. Uh, he was interviewed by Real Clear Politics, and this is a little bit of what he said. He says, he may, it's very interesting, I'd have to be, it'd have to be limited to a certain states, to certain states, because in some states, the deadline has passed. And again, Trump is talking about, you know, the likelihood of uh, Kanye actually being able to run. If he did it, he would have to view this as a trial run for what's going to happen in four years. So at least from reading that, it looks like if anything, Trump isn't going to really use this, I guess, in a way to, I don't know, antagonize Kanye West or really go for him or attack him. 
But if anything, he's just trying to you know, stir the pot a little bit, maybe make it just a legitimate uh, enough to maybe make it a distraction and try to maybe even use this as a tool again to, to help him in, what, in whatever way it can. But I'm definitely going to be looking and seeing how maybe Trump might try to harness this for his own political gain. Yeah, but I'll just say real quick, I think that actually that confirms what I was thinking in some ways. That's a pretty dismissive response. I mean, mm -hmm. on brand for Trump would be, oh, he's terrible. Who is this guy? Yeah. He's a loser. He didn't even fit the deadlines, you know. But the fact that he said that diplomatically, which is, you know, which is not something that he does when he cares about something or is taking it seriously. Uh, the fact that he didn't Twitter rant about it. It's just saying like, oh, yeah, you know, he missed the deadlines maybe four years from now, but I don't have to worry about that. So whatever. Yeah. yeah so I, I think it's going to be pretty telling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hate to see, like, honestly, it bothers me so much to see Kanye used as this, like, token person for Trump. Like, it's just so, I mean, and it just brings kind of almost me back to like the token black person issue mm -hmm. that we have that prevails in our society where one person just seems to be like, oh, I, I'm gonna align myself with this thought that's really outside the realm of like, you know, kind of the, you know, there's a spectrum of thought and I'm just gonna make myself an outlier. And then all of a sudden, you know, people start attaching themselves to those ideas and start embracing that. And I think it also exposes, not only do I think that it's an exposure of like the token black person argument, but I think also um, it exposes the fact that I don't, Donald Trump does not have our best interest in mind as a nation if he is not addressing this person coming onto the scene with nothing but like a musician's background or like an entrepreneur, you know, like there's so much to politics. There's so much there that people have to learn to navigate those spaces effectively. And like Donald Trump doesn't, he wouldn't mind. I don't think he would mind if um, Kanye were his successor. He'd probably be like, that's fine. I don't mind. It's okay. <laughs> and that is so, it's so crazy to see that. It's not surprising, but it's sad. Yeah, no, it is. And it would be, but it would be really fun to watch Kanye at um, like diplomats of other countries or leaders and like give them a new pair of Yeezy shoes. Like that's like, <laughs> oh my God. Like he would say, hey, these are really dope. And he would just take one of those non smiling Kanye pictures of. And then like, hey, I hope you enjoy these shoes. They're the best, show. they're way better than Jordan's. And then like, it's like, no, we were here to talk about like trade relations between the US and it's like, no, but I gave you these Yeezys. Bless, talk to these great people. Uh, well, he, he'd have that in common with Trump, just using his presidency to make money. So that's true. I mean, hey, that's 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 right. Like, can you imagine, you know, when you, when you hear uh, Bolton talk about John Bolton talk about in his book where he refers to when there are diplomatic meetings that Trump is in with foreign leaders and Bolton is there petrified because he he is he's seeing that Trump is unable to decipher the language that some of these speakers are using. He's not able to read the room. He's not able to to navigate that space so that uh, uh, America is not 
consistently the loser at some of these political deals, some of these foreign policy that takes place. I cannot even fathom the horror that would happen when someone like Kanye, who I would say is on the same radar of Trump, not being able to just stay on topic and complete cohesive thoughts, like that, that is a, a ridiculous thought to think about. And it, it would just, it would go all over the place. And that's like, it's, I think it is absurd that uh, uh, Kanye is running. And it is, it is absurd that, like what Logan said, that tweet uh, went more viral than actual presidential candidates that were in the democratic process. But it's just more absurd that, like Simone said, that we at least have to like quickly think about it because of what happened uh in 2016 and it's just like yo i it's just, it's just crazy and it, it just fits within what's been happening in 2020 like covid uh 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 a bunch of other stuff that was happening earlier in the year and it just felt like drama after drama after drama and then of course kanye finds himself into it it just it makes all the sense in the world <laughs> just chronologically it makes all the sense i um I don't know. I feel like the conversation, because I'm seeing like some comments about, um, you know, things that you could argue would make Kanye possibly able to do this job or things comparing him to other people in the past that also did not have, like he's really, him and Trump even are not the first people to go from a completely unrelated field and into like very high, um, um, high places in politics. We've had Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Like other people have done this before, it's true. I think the thing for me that I find concerning about Kanye is I think, I think what we have seen Kanye going through over the past few years has been a constant search for like an upgrade in status. Like we watched him be like very, very frustrated over the past few years when people in high positions didn't pay attention to him, didn't take him seriously, didn't give him the things that he thought he deserved mm -hmm. in relation to other people who were just as successful, right? Like in his mind, like, you know, he's a black, he's a black man, he's from Chicago. He overcame things he already like he became famous like he's a rapper he's rich and it's this idea of like i should now have access to all of the things that every other person at this level uh, or this status in life has access to but because he's a black man he's also worried that he's consistently not like people are not taking him seriously probably because he's kind of this crazy stuff but also i think you could argue argue like there's also some racial bias there too yeah. and i think kanye has probably sensed that and we've watched like that ellen interview where he went kind of crazy and he was ranting about all those people i think there is something to say about kanye struggling against the ceiling that he's sensing above him and like not being able to get through it and constantly feeling frustrated by that and acting out and doing crazy things because of it. And I think that's the scary thing for me about him running is because I think that's what's fueling it. If it's not him in cahoots with Trump, then I think it's a status grab. And that's the same thing that we saw with Trump. It's an idea of like, this is a way for me to get to this level of things where I'm undeniable, where I have achieved the yeah. highest stat, the highest status in the world that I can possibly achieve. Like I've done it now. Like I've proven it. I've gotten it. I've earned it. I've made it. 
but that's the worst reasons from the president. Like that, like, like that is not the reason to run for president. And we watched what happened with Trump when somebody who ran for those reasons, what he did when he was in office, nothing that he's done has been about bettering the country or making people's lives better or having any sort of real vision actually yeah. what he wants the country to look like, right? Like we've seen, he's flip-flopping all the time because he doesn't have a vision or idea of what he wants. He does whatever he thinks will maintain his status, will maintain his power. And because of that, he's easily manipulated by other people that he views as powerful, like Putin. Like, like we've watched this happen because he didn't go into it for the right reasons. Yeah. I, think, I, I think it's fair to criticize people who automatically say, Kanye just couldn't do the job, right? Because there are other people that did not have this, that did not have qualifications that made it into that, into positions like this. And you could argue maybe did okay. But I don't think it's necessarily about like, could he do it? I think it's just like, why is he doing it? Like, what is your vision, Kanye? Like, what do you want to see happen when you're president of this country? What do you want to push? What are what do you care about? And I think everybody is very suspicious that he doesn't have any any like he doesn't have that. He doesn't have a plan. It's very spur of the moment. He's taking advantage of what we already know. It, there's like a vacuum, right, where there's people who are unhappy with those candidates. There's a space for him to fill and step in and exploit for himself because he's searching for status. And I think like it's sad. Like I I I sometimes have a lot of sympathy for Kanye, thinking of like understanding that frustration of like why have i come this far and i'm still like i'm still bumping into these same things like i'm mm -hmm. still bumping into these same problems i'm still seeing people not acknowledge me not take me seriously not fund my ideas like right like i i think that like i sympathize with that and i think that's valid i think it's sad though to see like how what he's done to try to overcome that and the way he sold out to try to overcome that i think this is just an example of that and like i think that is the like that's the thing that's like that's why kanye can't be president like it's not about what he could or couldn't do it's about like why like why now and what and what is fueling this i don't i don't trust it yeah. personally That's facts, Esther. First of all, I really put that should be a clip that we take and put on Instagram. And just so everyone knows, Affirmative Interaction does have an Instagram, so feel free to follow that. And Garrison is commenting um, from another dimension. He says, if Kanye picked Beyonce as his running mate, I mean... Go away. Well, <laughs> Go do Garrison, your homework. Garrison, that is a great point because I How's do wonder the same... I do wonder who would make the best VP for Kanye. Uh, Logan, I know you have some takes. Please, please oh, share with yeah. us. I mind. mean, Garrison was on my track, but there's only two choices that Kanye would make. It's either Jay-Z <laughs> or, or George Bush, like George W. Those are the only two <laughs> logical choices. <laughs> uh, we can get the Kanye and Jay-Z, Kim and Beyonce, you know, that's the White House, or George and Laura coming back to the uh, redemption story to show that he loves black people. That's it. Those are the only two options. Or maybe a, a dark horse Mitt Romney. That's it. That's it. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, he, he would definitely pick Candace Owens and my head would explode. Yikes. I don't think she's old enough. But. Black power? What are y'all saying? Oh, she's, not, she's not old enough to be she's vice president? Talking about, bro. 
That's oh. not power, yo. What? Come on. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Fight, bro. No, nah, she's 31. Jonathan oh. said Elon Musk in the comment section. He supported him under his tweet. Yes, he did respond to his tweet. Mm -hmm. Okay, but here's the thing. If Elon Musk runs as VP, I'm just going to constantly reshare the clip of him smoking that giant cigar on Joe Rogan's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be a prime promotional image for for a VP run. Oh, man. I mean, for me personally, I feel like it would only be right if – the incomparable Taylor Swift joined Kanye <laughs> as running mate. I mean, she, oh, Kanye, Kanye would bring he, he'll bring the black people. He'll bring the ones free free from the plantation of our own minds, and then she would bring the soccer moms. And I think it would really work out well. Or yeah, yeah. They, they they might go in the House of Cards route. And takes Kim Kardashian West as his VP. And then, for her then he steps down and then lets yes, her be Yep. That's you. exactly what I was thinking. We're keeping it in the family. He's going to keep it in the family. He doesn't want to go family. out. Chris Jenner. No, what's the... Caitlyn Jenner. That would be oh. the VP. We got to go. No. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, bro. I don't know. I personally think that Kanye would pick himself as both president. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) where you have the same person, because when Kanye dies, Kanye will still be the vice president. That's what's up. I like that. That's funny. Yo, that that reminds me of that Office episode when Michael leaves and then Dwight. Him to be assistant regional manager, but like he's actually staying as assistant regional manager <laughs> while he's the manager of the brand. <laughs> Is this absurd, bro? Uh, that, that actually makes more sense than what Kanye would do. I agree with Danny. He pick himself. <laughs> oh man! Yikes. No, but it does show that we need um, with the Elon response. Like this is why people talk about regulating tech, regulating billionaires, because these people have the authority and the money um, to brainwash people. And they have the power at that point. We, you know, we've seen it um, where they, when you control how people get their information, you also control how they think. And we know that. And so when you get some of these billionaires that have the authority and power to kind of do things with their influence, it can be really, really problematic. And um, we see these people that we don't trust that much um, we we need a very checked society, especially under capitalism, which why why we don't push more monopolizing, like breaking those apart is beyond me because we give these people so much authority and power. And you get some people that are good, but some people that are going to do it for personal gain only. And Trump had to use racism to get there. And so that's where it, it can be pretty, pretty, pretty bad. He's so good and be a billionaire. Just, there's a cap to how good you can be. Like morally? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Zuckerberg said that one time, like, you you can be unethical and still be legal. Like, that's uh, the reality. Laws, there's loopholes for a reason, and the loopholes are written by the uh, by the uh, billionaires and the leaders. Millionaires and billionaires. Billionaires and the trillionaires. 
And with you, that, you don't that got the answers, is, Jay. You don't got the answers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, let's move on to something I would say is a little, I guess, pressing, in, especially in terms of what's been going on. You know, the, the recent protests have brought on bigger spotlights in different areas where maybe activism and um, promoting, you know, black lives and black voices haven't been, um, haven't been uh, apparent before. And Danielle, if you want to lead us out and just tell us what has been going on with Bubba Wallace and also his matchup with Trump last week. So um, Bubba Wallace has been in the news for the past couple of weeks lately maybe even the past month, I don't know what day it actually is, but uh, he is an African-American NASCAR driver and um, he has been using his platform to address some of the racism that is part of the whole NASCAR culture, uh, starting with this push to remove Confederate flags from uh, racetracks, uh, which actually happened. Uh, with some protest against it, of course, but NASCAR really uh, jumped behind it. And then uh, there was an incident where he noticed a hanging rope from, I believe it was one of the garages. Uh, and of course, like a hanging rope is reminiscent of a noose. And so there's no way to know with all that he's been going through in the media with the Confederate flag thing and the pushback from supporters of that. He saw it as a hate crime. NASCAR invested it, investigated it. They determined that the rope had been there for a while. Um, and then Trump tweeted that he um, it was a hoax and that he should apologize to NASCAR um, to which NASCAR responded, we stand by that. Other racers, also other drivers were like, he doesn't need to apologize. We're just trying to do what's right. And it's clearly, it's understandable that he would consider it to be a noose. Also just with NASCAR history, I don't know much about NASCAR because growing up myself, NASCAR has been a white sport event. Right. And I had no idea that there was even an African-American driver um, until a few weeks ago. I also just don't keep up with NASCAR in general or sports in general. So I am probably the least qualified person to start this conversation. But <laughs> it, was, um, it was really interesting that uh, Trump responded in that way to Bubba Wallace. Um, and I'd just like to hear more ideas um, about what's going on there. Why is Trump harping on this in particular when NASCAR itself um, as an organization is supporting this driver? Yeah. Yeah, important, important thing there that Mark brought up, um, Daniel, just to speak on that is he didn't even find the news. Bubba Wallace didn't report it. Uh, it was found by NASCAR, and NASCAR said, "Wow, there's a noose hanging in this guy's." It's a they they said it was a garage pull, like the 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 rope that would pull the door down. And they said, "Hey, this should be, you know, we should investigate this." And so they kind they even brought the FBI in, and they said, "Well, 
this doesn't necessarily seem to have been directed at Bubba Wallace because it had been there a long time. But uh, that's the thing is I've been around. I'm, I happen to be a white guy um, that grew up watching NASCAR. Um, that uh, I mean, so when I grew up, there was a driver from my home area. Um, his name was Carl Edwards and he was good. And so, you know, you, when there's kind of a local person, actually it was funny. One time I was in, uh, my, my community college, freshman year of college class. And this young woman sitting next to me got a phone call from a guy named Carl Edwards. And I was like, yo, why is there someone named Carl Edwards? And she was like, he came into my work and he's, and she was really attractive. Like it didn't, it didn't shock me, but he was around my age. And she was like, yeah, he's been trying to get me to, to date him. He's been hitting me up, but I have a boyfriend. I'm like, first of all, who cares? You're from a small town. You need to, to not fumble this bag. Uh, so, yeah, but I've never seen a garage pull with a noose. Like, I remember when I was a kid, and I've stated this before, when I was in Pathfinders, and we were learning the different ropes, and there was the hangman's knot on the board. I remember asking, and my Pathfinder club was extremely white. Uh, my Pathfinder leaders were old white men, and, and I remember saying, hey, can we learn to tie that one? And they were like, no, we're not tying a noose because nooses are used for one reason and two reasons within that, for suicide or to hang a black person, like those are the only reasons it exists. And I was like, as a kid, like, wow, I, you know, I wouldn't want to learn that. And it was like this conversation of, about that. And I have some more things to say on this, but I just wanted to point that out that NASCAR was actually the ones that found it. They did the investigation, but there's no reason that this would ever be in a garage unless the person that tied it was doing it as a racist, you know, you know, you could say someone could say, "Oh, that was just a racist joke." Doesn't make it right, or like a like a hate a hate crime level troll where it's like, "Yeah, you know, this is just kind of what I do." Because yeah, they have been flying the Confederate flag for years that we know only flies within the conversation of anti-blackness, and so for it to even be there in the first place should have been investigated, and there's no reason it should have existed whatsoever whether it was attack at bubba or just some moron in the garage yeah i think those are great thoughts and you know logan added context and thank you danny for getting us started um i'll say a couple quick things um i think that it's interesting so first of all we just saw the picture right like it's clearly a noose and right. My, I've thought about this a lot since the FBI cleared it of being a hate crime. And, you know, I'm definitely not, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not a fake news guy. So if they did the investigation and that's what they came to the conclusion of, then fine. It's a heck of a coincidence that the one garage where the African-American driver was at, the noose garage pulley was just, it just happened to be hanging there. Right. You know? The one he just yeah. moved to. The yeah. one he just, you know, and. And again, he didn't see, you know, he didn't see it. It wasn't reported by him. Someone else reported it, you know, thank God. And um, I think that NASCAR, because so first of all, a lot of the response was driven by NASCAR because, you know, there was someone on his team who found it. NASCAR put out a statement. Uh, a lot of other drivers came to Bubba's support. Um, and so the notion that this was some like hoax or some Jesse Smollett kind of, you know, instance and, a lot of people have been jumping and harping back at that to try to say that this was fake even before it was confirmed that it was fake. So that's the thing that I also want to talk about is like there were people that as it was actively being uh, reported and um, the information was being published, 
several people were saying, oh, this is a hoax. This is made up. This is fake. And so it just reminded me of this sort of fake news engine that Trump has really fueled and engendered over the course of his presidency and how it always comes up in these situations, whether um, I, I would say that you know, a hanging noose there it definitely does do some harm emotionally and mentally. And so I don't want to discount that at all. And it's a symbol of physical violence and hate. And so I don't want to discount that, but it could be that, or it could be an instance of, uh, you know, a police officer killing an unarmed black person. And there's the same spin around or, or a citizen killing an unarmed black person on a jog. There's this propensity to say, oh, we don't have all the facts or this is being made up or it's a liberal conspiracy or hoax. And, and so the, the weird, eerie coincidence that as it's being reported and as an investigation showed that this wasn't a hate crime, despite all the signs of it being a hate crime, um, it just fuels that even more. And, and so Trump's engagement in it, which is also very on brand for you know his, stu his stupid behavior, particularly around these issues and topics, um, the fact that he's further fueling that engine um, and using it to target, um, you know, vitriol and hate towards Bubba Wallace, and also to to drive negative attention towards him specifically within an already hostile environment, whether it included Confederate flags or not. Um, it in itself, to me, is at the very least aiding and abetting potential hate crimes towards Bubba Wallace. I mean, and and he's the I mean, he's the president. Of, it's it's almost like it washes over you after a while because this is so on brand for him, but he's the president of the United States and he is enabling and aiding and, and um, you know, even uh, promoting the fact that folks are going to, you know, direct threats of violence towards him even further because of the fact that this was a fake news, Bubba Wallace liberal hoax. And then lastly, because the, one of the other things that he said quite specifically in the tweet in response to this whole situation was he was really lamenting the fact that the Confederate flag is being removed from places. So we have the president of the United States who is using his social media platform to advocate for the continued use of the rebel Confederate flag, which is the embodiment of anti-Black racism, of oppression, of slavery, of violence, uh, uh, of fatal violence towards black bodies for centuries. Uh, he's advocating for the for the re-inclusion of that flag within that space when states like Mississippi have voted to remove the Confederate flag from their state flag. Mississippi, the president of the United States is saying, no, we need that back. And and, mm -hmm. and you know, and, and these Black Lives Matter protesters, you know, are ruining our country. We need to make America great. By by re-raising the Confederate flag in, in a sporting event that he should he he shouldn't care less about. I mean, it's NASCAR, by the way. So like, yeah. why are you so caught up and involved with what's happening over there? Um, you know, it, it's just like it it's it's really um, the fact that he he goes out of his way to find ways to be an anti-black racist. It's not like convenient. It's not casual. It's very targeted and and strategic, and he knows the the, the base of people that he's you know um, catering to when he does it. 
Um, and so it's not flippant at all. Um, and I'm just hopeful and prayerful that this does not lead to any violence towards Bubba Wallace and, and that, that would manifest physically um, because this isn't a game. This is his life. This is his livelihood. Um, and he's simply trying to say, hey, my life matters here. Can we not continue to wave this flag, which is a which is an exact contradiction to that? And NASCAR obliged. And now we're having all of this violent reaction to it. And so the last thing I'll say is that it's just another reminder to me that even now in our current reality, that the response even from the president to anti-racism is anti-black racism. Mm -hmm. And it's violent and it's um, it's strategic and it's rooted in the desire to continue to silence us um, when it's just driving, even when it's just driving a car around in circles. Uh, he can't leave that alone either. And so, um, yeah, and, and it's just further moving the Republican Party or folks that support him towards the edge of reality um, because you have to continue to subscribe to an alternate reality or universe to see him as uh, someone who is competent and capable to lead anyone, let alone this country. I think um, just wanted to quickly add with your comment about the Republican Party, it's even causing, uh, we've already seen it that uh, Republicans, like traditional Republicans are starting to distance themselves even more and they're not afraid to disagree with Donald Trump. Um, I read that even like Lindsey Graham disagreed with Donald Trump on this, which is huge because like, oh. I don't, yeah, what I want to say, I'm not going to say, but yeah, Lindsey Graham disagrees with Donald Trump. And that's saying something about where we are and how far this uh, reality, which you spoke of, has gone, where the Lindsey Grahams of the world disagree with Donald Trump. Well, they're seeing those polls, so they got to see what they're going to do after November. It's transactional, yeah. Yeah, I um, I think it like the the wording that he used in his tweet hoax is like, like it's really important to understand like hoax is not like oh uh, this just turned out to not be true like that like a hoax is like you intentionally did this like right. you lied on purpose mm -hmm. to make it look like something happened that didn't happen which is like even in the most like the like the worst you can say about the situation is somebody made a mistake. Like somebody thought that it was a noose and it wasn't. A lot of us still are like, that's definitely a noose. But even if you don't think it's a noose, the facts are, okay, well, somebody, it looked like one, so somebody thought it was one and then it turned out to not be one. Like there's nothing intentional in that. And so him using that phrasing, like he definitely knows what he's doing with that. I also think it's important to talk about how like, yeah, like conservatives get angry when like things turn out to not be true and they go on like the whole hoax thing, but they also get like very excited. Like when things like this turn out to not be true, they're like happy about it. Yeah. And you can sense it like, yes, they're angry, but they're also super excited to talk about it and shove it in your face every chance they get because they want to take every opportunity possible to delegitimize legitimate movements for equal rights in every sphere, no matter how 
insignificant it is, whether it's NASCAR or whether it's literally like everyday people just trying to live our lives, like when something happens and then it turns out to not be what we thought it was, the fact that they in, indulge so much in talking about it says says a lot, I think, about where they stand and how they actually feel about these movements because I think some of them understand like I can't acknowledge that there's truth in this and still stand against it. So I have to capitalize mm. on every opportunity I can to say that there's no truth in this. And sometimes they and I think that those opportunities are far and few between because there is truth. But when there is something that they can latch onto and say like, see, look at them, like they're just doing too much now. Like they're making a big deal out of this. It was just a rope, right? Or, and then you have all those, you know, weird things that we've seen happening now with like taking some random episodes off of old sitcoms and like, no, and like literally nobody is actually asking for that. No. But feeding into that, like every, it's just feeding into their efforts to delegitimize what we're actually trying to get done. And it's very, very frustrating to watch. And it's also frustrating that those things tend to overshadow like very tangible proof that there's something wrong. Like even with this NASCAR thing, I don't remember what interview we were listening to, Adrian, between Will like, Kane. yeah, but yeah. The, some he, he pointed out that like, we ended up spending all this time talking about this, this noose in the garage. But like prior to that, there was people like what were they doing like i can't remember like there were people like vocally protesting and there were nascar drivers well i don't know like they were out there i can't remember what they were doing but they were making a big deal about the confederate flag being removed like yeah one driver retired like was, one driver retired and stepped down and said he was done yeah. which like, he's never placed in a race before but <laughs> Oh, NASCAR even tweeted and said they don't know who he is. Conversation though, like we should be talking yeah. about that. Like the fact that people are outraged that they can't fly the Confederate flag, like that's a problem. So regard whatever, maybe it's not a news. Fine, if you guys don't want to say it's not a news, cool. But there is still tangible proof that something is wrong and that there is. Very like that there is a system of racism in this sport, which I mean, it's a sport yeah. that like half of us don't care about anyways. But like, since y'all want to talk about it, like you can't say that nothing is going on, even yeah, if you take right. out one instance. There's other things happening, but they just latch on to whatever they can because I think they know that there's something happening, but they they have to take whatever opportunities they can get to say that there's not. And I think, like to add context, all of this was happening surrounding you know like around the same time of like the conversations of george floyd or on the protests or on the riots video footage of police violence against protesters and then you know we we learn about brianna taylor we we learn about other people that were were killed at the hands of the police and so i i think they're 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 trying to you know like esther said push the, the hoax idea but when you place that into context into context with a black man wanting to remove a Confederate stat, a Confederate flag from uh, you know a sporting event, um, I, I I feel like it was almost very responsible for NASCAR to immediately go into an investigation to to put out a statement because in that moment, in the heat of of all of that racial tension, 
it, it is not that uh, uh, outrageous to assume that a white person goes into Bubba Wallace's um, garage and puts a noose as a threat because lynching happens. Like we, we have to, the, the idea that it's a hoax is not historically accurate because lynchings have happened to black people and killings of, pe of black people that have spoken up have happened in history. Lynchings of black people who were vocal in predominantly white spaces have happened in history. And what's frustrating is like Esther said, is that you are placing your energy into something that does not have history on your side. And, mm -hmm. and the, 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 the idea of wanting to push so much effort into the conversation of it didn't happen, therefore it is reinforcing the belief that they want to believe that racism does not exist. And so whenever an example comes out that they believe reinforces it, these cats are jumping for joy because in their mind, that is more confirmation. And it it's really frustrating to watch because as you're you're looking at their responses and like you like you know, Esther mentioned, you hear people like Will Kane, it's like their responses of spending more time on this particular incident turning out to not be a lynching is is more charged up than the actual violence against people of color, right? And it their responses kind of remind me similarly to like when you hear men in the conversation of sexual assault, like they try to bring up cases where women lie about being raped, like the small percentage of that actually happening in comparison to the alarming reality of it actually happening is like, why are we placing so much effort in instances that don't happen on a consistent basis at all? And that I think is part of the problem with like the white moderates. Like you're spending issue talking about how this this uh, hoax delegitimizes the actual movement. But if you were actually down for the cause, you'd be able to move past this so easily and get back to actual racism in our country. You would not be dwelling on it. And the second thing is what's frustrating about Trump and his association with it is that like, it's really masking the fact that he does not have a real plan for his second term, right? Like for the past four months, I have not heard anything about what he plans to do for the next four years. It's just drama after drama after drama after drama. And my hope is that someone's going to call him out on that. Like, okay, forget about NASCAR, forget about the protesters Forget about the forget about the, the 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 Confederate monuments and the flags. Can you give us your plans for your 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 hundred first days in your second term, like something? And that I, I it's it's frustrating to watch because no one's paying attention to that. He has no plan for what he wants to do for his second term. Or right now, right, right, right. Like it's he's he's just filling up time and space, and like it's it's annoying to watch Republicans go so hard right and focusing on so many of these racist ideals because it's like they have nowhere else to go. 
they realize that like they can't really push the 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 medic the Medicare conversation because we're in the middle of a pandemic and people are starting to see that you cannot associate uh, healthcare to employment because people are getting unemployed. So you you can't use yeah. that. That gets thrown out, right? And so the, their talking points are not being backed by reality now. It's it's not hypotheticals. It's not a worst case scenario of a pandemic. Like reality is exposing Republican ideals. And it's like, they have no other place but to go to the hard right to have some form of stability to, to push some, some political process forward. Yeah, Adrian, those are good thoughts. I'm going to go back to your first point where you talked about, oh, this may not have been a noose. Well, there just happens to be a guy by the name of Mike Folp. He owns 311 Speedway in North Carolina, which is a which it would is a dirt track. And if you know anything about NASCAR, dirt track is kind of where you get started and you kind of move up the ranks. It's kind of like minor leagues. Of, so he posted on Facebook Marketplace, buy your Bubba Rope today for only $9.99 each. They work with. They each come with a lifetime warranty and work great. The man was selling nooses. The owner of a dirt race track, car track was selling nooses, and we can say, okay, the Bubba Wallace garage, it was a noose, but it wasn't tied for Bubba Wallace. Well, NASCAR's like minor league was saying, now nah, we're gonna use this as a cue to tee up our racist ideas, and we're gonna shoot that out in the fairway. This thing got liked and shared. It got um funny response people thought it was hilarious the dude lost a bunch of sponsors but in reality this is a racist system within nascar that nascar was saying like look we're worried that this there's smoke here so there's probably fire and people are saying like now okay well this this rope might not have been directed at bubble walls it was directed at the reality that whoever tied it would be willing to use it on bubble wallace like that's the conversation that has to be had you know these people that are doing these things, they're saying to us, we don't care about black and brown people. We don't care if they're within our groups or outside. We don't want them here. They're not welcome here. And for Trump, every time these things take place, and, and you can read there Bubba Wallace's response, but for Trump, every time these things take place, he uses it as a way to stoke the white supremacy. I mean, just a week before he tweeted this, they said that they were going to put a Black Lives Matter mural on the streets of New York. And he said that it was similar to hate speech, you know, yeah. putting Black Lives Matter on the yeah. streets of New York. You know, when Colin Kaepernick uh, was kneeling, he said, you know, we should fire every one of those sons of bitches that kneels. And these are quoting my president of the United States, who's not my president, but the president of the United States. I mean, for him to quote and tweet Bubba Wallace, it's arm brand for him to call it a hoax. It's arm brand because... Trump is a white supremacist and he knows his only way to win in November is to try to stoke the flames of racism. That's why when Joe Biden miscued on Charlemagne the God's interview on The Breakfast Club, he only quoted that thing where if you you know vote for Trump, you ain't black. That's all he's had to say because he knows that if he can do anything to stoke the flames of racism, you're going to. You know what, what's a hoax? A hoax is saying that you're gonna build a wall because you believe illegal immigration is the biggest threat to our um, our country. Hoax is uh, saying that there's good people on both sides and then uh, fanning the flames of white supremacy in Charlottesville three years ago. A hoax is, you know, 
or, or let's say what's not a hoax. What's not a hoax, putting children and separating families and putting children in cages and saying that this is where they're best to be suited um, within our society. A hoax is telling uh, international students that have been here four to 10 years that you're not welcome to take online classes within our country because uh, we don't see you fit for bettering our communities. Like that's a hoax. Like Trump's whole presidency it has been a hoax. And for him to use these terms to say that, oh, this is malicious, Bubba Wallace, when Bubba Wallace didn't even find it, it's targeting a black person to try to create racism where there is none. I mean, within Bubba, Bubba wasn't even the one that found it is what I mean. There's clearly been racial tensions there, but Trump's been pinning this time and time and time again, and he's gonna keep doing it. That's what he's running on. He knows he's not winning polls. He knows he's not got a plan. He's ran out of ideas because, well, they didn't want his healthcare abolishment of Obamacare. They, they turned that down a number of times. They didn't want to build the wall. They turned that down a number of times. And these are the two things that he ran on. You know, they didn't want his um, Muslim ban. They didn't want his separation of families. They didn't want his Supreme Court rulings that he was hoping that were gonna harm people's lives because Trump runs on bigotry and harming certain marginalized communities more than they already are. And he realizes that Americans are saying like, whoa. I mean, he ran on hating Hillary and hating immigrants. That's been his whole movement. And he's got nothing now. He realizes that all he can do is stoke racism and he hopes that there's 55 million racists out there that'll vote for him. And he's starting to learn that if I can't get them to vote for me, you know, it is, and it's what's so funny, Trump's so, such a racist and people will fight back and say, oh, Trump's not the racist. Trump is such a racist that he won't even try to unite in a time where everyone agreed that the George Floyd murder was uh, heinous and it was murder. Like he didn't even want to take a time to try to unite with them. That he, he, I know he threw out a little tweet and people are going to say, but he could have done so much more. All Trump would have, look at how much praise Mitt Romney got for just saying the word mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter when Mitt Romney said the 46% don't care about it. Like Mitt Romney was vocal about that back when he ran for president. Trump's running on one thing, he's running on one thing only, and I'm here to expose it every dang time he says it because I'm sick of him fanning these planes. And somebody said earlier, oh, uh, Biden's a racist. And yeah, Biden probably has a troubling background of racism, but if you're comparing Joe Biden to um, Donald Trump, I mean, we're talking about a guy that carried the ball three yards and a guy that ran for 400 yards and 17 touchdowns. Like that's the yeah. difference of the two. Like, let's not confuse it. Trump is stoking the flames of white supremacy over and over. And that's what he's going to do. He's going to do it till November. And he's going to lose in November because of it. Because that dude's a racist and that dude's an idiot. That's all I got. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I think the thing that stands out to me about this whole Bubba Wallace thing is that we're really equivocating um, a legal investigation by the FBI with a culture of toxicity, a culture of racism, a culture that's promoting so much, you know, division and is totally dismissive of the fact that rebel flags are divisive, period. And I feel like the the noose that was found in, in Bubba's um, stall or his garage is irrefutably a noose. Um, and even though the legal investigation done by the FBI will say, okay, we can't bring hate crime charges, that doesn't mean that the making of that noose was innocent. That doesn't mean that it wasn't made for Bubba Wallace himself. And then yeah. like, you know, 
that they put him in that that stall for that reason. There's no way for us to know those things. And those things are what in our culture, we're working for like a bigger movement, you know, than just being able to pinpoint everything by a prosecutorial um, crime, like prosecutable crime. Like we have to look beyond that and say, how is the culture toxic? I mean, the fact, if you think about it, there are people who reported this um, incident and that's not their first rodeo at NASCAR, but they were shocked. You want to know why? Because it's not normal to see a noose in somebody's garage or stall. You know, there are other players, I mean, other um, racers who are joining Bubba in his fight against racism. You want to know why? Because they're not used to seeing nooses around NASCAR. Like it's not a common thing. And if it were just some simple, oh, that's just what we use to, to um, pull down the garage uh, door, then everybody would have said that to begin with. Mm -hmm. If it were a cultural norm, if it were, the, if it were regular for that to happen, then, then that would have already been exposed. And the fact that it is, it was so, it was treated with such like shock and rightfully so by everybody who's in NASCAR, who's um, come forward to stand with Bubba is evidence that, that this is not just some norm. And, and even if we can't determine by FBI standards that we can prosecute for a hate crime and find the person who did it and all that stuff, doesn't mean that NASCAR's culture isn't still like doesn't still need work it doesn't mean that somebody didn't place that in his stall you know um on that day or that they didn't move him to that stall specifically so that he would have that symbol in there we don't know the logistics behind that um and i just don't think that we should be so quick to rule it out and i think obviously the way that trump has handled it um is incredibly toxic i mean just because that small bit of investigation is done he has just totally flip the script to blame the person who was the victim of of what could have been and I still think probably was um, a hate crime of some sort and probably was retali was retaliatory um, and so it's just a situation where you know Trump obviously is not going to side for on the side of blackness anytime ever. Um, and it is just harming us over and over again to even have the level of divisive language that we have existing coming out of the White House. To Logan's point, he had so many opportunities to do so much with George Floyd and the momentum that's been happening, um, that's been picking up. And he's just dropped every single ball, not on accident. He's dropped it because he wants to, and he's dropped it because exactly. it's his intent. Yeah, that's well said, and um, I think it's important for us. And I know, I know, we're running low on time, so I'll be, I'll be brief as we move towards the end here. Um, that's mainly for my friend Jordan Smart. I got you, bro. Um, <laughs> but um, I did want to, you know, just talk, and, and I'll put it in the chat here uh, so that folks can check out the link um to this story and we've been talking about it in our private chat and so on on the 4th of July uh there was an incident where a black man his name is um Va Booker he's a member of the Monroe County Human Rights Commission he lives in Bloomington Indiana which is about an hour south of Indianapolis 
Uh, he was planning to go with friends to a uh, 4th of July outing um, at Lake Monroe, which apparently is a reservoir um, just outside of Bloomington. And as they were um, trying to get to the location that was being organized by other friends who were already there, uh, he was, uh, first of all, met with um, racial slurs by white men with uh, who had Confederate flags and, and other things like that, and um, were basically trying to tell him that he was on private property. Uh, by the time he got to the location uh, where they were supposed to meet up, he and there's a Facebook post which which I read where she talks about the whole incident, uh, and there's there are, there's also a lot of video footage of what happened, and some of those videos are somewhat tough to watch. But um, the silver lining is that there were a lot of onlookers who refused to leave the incident that would end up happening that I'm going to describe, which I think ultimately saved his life. Um, but they get to the location and they double check with the organizers around whether or not the way that they crossed was was wrong. And the organizer let them know that they actually did have permission from the folks who were the property owners that they could cross through here and that the persons that were, um, you know, telling them to get off the property were not the property owners. So in fact, to the extent that anyone was on the property without permission, it was these white men uh, who were trying to intimidate Vaughn and others. And so, um, Vaughn, knowing that there'd be others that would be crossing, wanted to go back to talk with them, to try to reason with them, to see um, if he could get uh, some clarity as to what the issue was. And as he did that, although it started off um, somewhat peacefully, um, they ultimately ended up becoming physical with him, uh, hitting him, holding him down, pinning him down. Um, and um, one of his friends kind of finally got wind of this and started screaming for help. Um, he could hear these men um, saying to other folks that were with them to get the noose. And so we're talking about lynching. lynching. This is broad daylight on the 4th of July, by the way, um, to get the noose and calling him racial slurs and, and physically attacking him, punching him and, and things of that nature. And as I said, Luckily, there were onlookers that got footage of this and, and essentially said, we're not leaving until you let him go. Um, but there are two other things that I want to mention. Um, the first thing is that the police were called and they were told specifically what happened and what was witnessed by multiple persons. Footage was turned over of many of the things that they said happened. And the Bloomington police decided to arrest nobody. OK, they decided to arrest nobody. And they weren't investigating it. They weren't going to look into it um, beyond them just recording an account of what happened. Um, it got a little bit more traction after the 4th of July because the Bloomington mayor actually knows Vaugh personally and came out and, and stated that he was appalled by what happened. But what you'll see in the article that I've posted here is that there was a protest uh, yesterday a Black Lives Matter protest in Bloomington in response to this incident happening. And towards the end of what was a peaceful protest, a red car drove into some demonstrators speeding through the street as a woman hung onto the hood. So, I mean, it's, it's straight from the white supremacist playbook of um, trying to shut down the conversation. And, and so we literally have- 
Say it again. Sorry. I said, isn't that what the cops do? Yeah, absolutely. And so we literally have a, a literally an attempted modern day lynching in broad daylight, you know, on the 4th of July, Independence Day. So shout out to that wonderful holiday. We have multiple people taking video because we're told that, hey, if we get something on video, we might get justice. That gets turned over to police. People describe what happened. They arrest nobody. Zero people are arrested. And in response to them doing not doing their job, which is, is consistently what happens, because we have to peacefully protest and demonstrate for folks to respond to the most blatant acts of racism. Somebody, I don't even, I don't know uh, the condition of the folks who were hit. Someone could have been killed. Who knows what happened? Um, some, similarly, I forget where, but I heard about someone, you know, a woman was killed uh, who was at a peaceful demonstration um, on a highway that had been shut down, but a car got through and hit some of the protesters, killing one of them. So, um, yeah, the response to him, us walking through a field to a location and just being black is an, an attempted lynching. And so, yeah. no, it's not a liberal hoax. No, it's not some crap that people are making up. You know, no, no, it's not, you know, fake news. Shut up and listen and understand what's going on in our country. Yeah. Just shut up and listen. Um, and and you know, no, defund the police is not too strong of language. It's not because they're not doing their job and they're not responding to the very basic kinds of you know blatant acts of racism that we're seeing. Like the dude could have been killed. He could have been killed for being black on the for on Independence Day. And y'all y'all wondering why we don't want to celebrate that crap. Like because we live in America and we're black and and this happens all the time, bro. And I'm tired of it. Yeah. So it's just like you know, all this talk about hoax and stuff, you know, you know, Trump, oof, man, let me mute myself before I say more about Trump. But like, it's just like, I'm just sick of it, bro. I'm sick of the, I'm sick of the nonsense. And if, and if you vote for Donald Trump after this, like, bro, I've, I've zero to say to you. I've zero to say to you. He should get zero votes in November. Zero people should vote for him other than blatant racists who want to lynch black people like those dudes in Bloomington, Indiana. If you vote for him, I have, I have nothing to say to you, bro. You, 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 there's no cover for it. Yeah. Period. Vote for Kanye before you vote for that dude. No, vote for Biden, please. <laughs> we beg, please. I'm going to vote for Kanye. Yeah. Very good. So, um, <laughs> We know what's I'm, definitely I'm gonna be uh, who's gonna be marked on our ballots in November. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And I, I, I will say, I feel like the biggest takeaway that I at least got from this episode is that symbols one hundred percent matter, and what people in power say, those things matter one hundred percent too. We need to realize that when people show us who they are, we need to believe them. There's no need to skirt around it. We just need to see evil and we call it out for what it is and not try to explain it away as something else. And uh, I also, before we close, we're going to do a quick PMI, a Peaked My Interest. That can be a TV show, a book, a movie, um, anything that has inspired you. And uh, we'll even put it this way, anything that just has helped you feel just a little bit better in our current times. Um, Esther, could you start for us, please? Yes, sure. 
Um, so a couple of weeks ago, my PMI was this book, uh, a collection of essays by Tressie McMillan Cottom. Um, and if, if you cannot read the whole book, I, I finished it. There's one essay that you definitely should read. It's called Know Your Whites. And I found a free PDF. So I'm going to link it in the comments right now. Um, it's very, very good. It is um, basically an exploration of the way that whiteness and conservativeness only exist in contrast or comparison to their opposites. And so they're, they have to, like, I'm going to try to wear this. So they have to ensure that there is an opposite, a defined opposite all the time, whether that's blackness, progressive, like uh, progressive ideals, whatever, in order so that they can still exist and continue to protect themselves and their existence. Super good. She uses the election of Trump and how black women, quote unquote, knew the future because black women were saying he's going to be president when the rest of the world didn't believe them because she argues they knew their whites and whatever. It's super good. I'm going to put the link in the comments now. Very good. Thank you for sharing so much. Uh, Logan, could you go next for us? And again, since we are running on time, let's make sure we keep uh, our PMIs uh, concise. Yeah. Thank you so much, Esther, for sharing in a manner that I personally appreciate. Uh, Logan, go next. Know your whites. I love that. Um, yeah, so I actually, I'm kind of still like diving into stuff that I've been, as far as books and stuff go. Um, my friend Mackenzie put me on to a new show, which is kind of entertaining. Um, if you're looking for an escape, it's called Alone. Season six is on Netflix. They drop 10 people off in the middle of the wilderness with no food, nothing but 10 supplies, and they have their own cameras. They don't even get a camera crew, and they have to survive. The last person, I mean, we're talking 60, 70 days of this for some people, like the last person there gets 500 grand. So really like non-thinking TV, but we found it kind of enjoyable watching these people like surviving. The, the people, the person that wins is kind of insane the way that they're able to just survive out in the middle of nowhere. And it's in the Arctic in that season six, it's in the Northern Canada. So it's out there snowing, they're ice fishing, it's insane. Um, but I found it enjoyable, so check it out if you want to. If not, I don't blame you, it's, it's a weird show. But <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Logan. Uh, Simone, uh, please share for us next. Yeah, okay, so mine's super fast. Um, and I actually haven't delved into it yet, so we'll see how this goes. But um, today I found a podcast called uh, Girl Treks Black History Bootcamp. And it highlights, I believe it's 20, yes, 21 um, black women who are have been dynamic in our history, who have stepped into spaces where they were not welcome once upon a time. And um, so I'm really excited to listen to this. It's very recent from the month of June. So um, yeah, it should be really good. Very good, thank you so much. And uh, Adrian, could you share for us next, please? Uh, yes, so I finally got around to reading, um, well, I started reading uh, Angel Davis's book, Our Prisons Obsolete. And um, uh, the way she, I would say, articulates her thoughts in this book in comparison to others um, is while she's providing evidence, statistics, history, uh, she's really trying to push a paradigm shift on why we think we need police to exist the way that they do. Um, and I, I think so far it's been very profound. Um, you can tell that she's done her homework, she's done her research, 
um, and at the same time, she's still personable while she's while she's writing. So I would definitely recommend that. Um, yeah, that's what I got. Perfect. And uh, thank you, Adrian. Mike, please share for us next. Sure. So I'll drop it in the comments. Um, I came across, I've actually, I might have mentioned this last week, but I'm actually auditing a course called um, Faithful Anti-Racism During a Pandemic. It's being taught by Dr. Christina Edmondson, who's a co-host of the Truth Table podcast, which you need to be subscribed to. As a matter of fact, subscribe to their Patreon and support Black women. Um, and so as a part of that class, one of the resources she gave us, and I put it in the chat, was a 1968 town hall meeting in uh, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And this is in the wake of Dr. King's uh, killing. Uh, the main topic is housing. It's about an hour long. Um, but I just thought, and you know, I'm a bit of a, a wonk and a nerd when it comes to housing policy conversations. But I, I think that um, you'd really, your eyes would really be opened at how similar some of the conversations they had during that town hall were to conversations we're having right now. It was actually pretty striking to me how similar it was on issues of housing and just on the general value of Black lives. I mean, it went there as well and also got pretty heated. There were also some white allies who really said some strong and affirmative things. And so uh, stronger things that I'm even hearing from some white allies now in 2020. So it was really interesting and illuminating. So I'd encourage you all to check it out. Thank you so much. And again, all of these resources are gonna be in the comments. So I definitely recommend you guys check those out. Uh, Danielle, could you go next for us, please? Yeah, um, my PMI, I've been taking a lot of like self-reflection time. So I'm reading more into the Enneagram right now. Um, and I'm reading the book Enneagram, A Christian Perspective by Richard Rohr. Um, it's just really insightful in a world where everything's crazy and things are falling apart. It's kind of nice to be able to look within. So definitely recommend that. Perfect, perfect. Thank you so much everyone for sharing. Uh, so super quick, my PMI, um, I'm sorry, I, I think quarantine just really put me on this nerdy tip. I've like become a full nerd after 25 years of running away from it. But I've been reading um, G. Wilson's run of Miss Marvel, G. Willow Wilson's run of Miss Marvel. Um, Miss, so this Miss Marvel is the first a Muslim American superhero to have her first ongoing, you know, series. First of all, it's amazing. The art is amazing. The writing is fantastic. I would definitely recommend it for really anyone that likes superheroes, that likes comics. But I think it's super important for especially kids coming up, boys and girls coming up right now, to read stories that feature heroes that are black and brown, because it's just it's beautifully well done, and it's important to see ourselves in the stories that are being told in, in the new canon that's being made right now. So that is my PMI, and uh, that is our show. Thank you so much, everyone for sharing this time with us. We're super excited to have affirmative action be something that is a part of your life. And what is also important for all of you to do is to follow our podcast. Mike, if you could pin that up for us one more time. 
you can all do us a favor, uh, go to the podcast right now. Um, go down to the bottom of the app, click, write a review, give us a five-star rating because you know we deserve it. And write this show has impacted you, how is it how it, it has helped you get through quarantine and how it's helped you really think about the things that are happening uh, in our world today. So I am your host, Jordan Smart. Uh, we're Mike, Logan, Danny, Simone, Garrison is somewhere else. Oh, pray for him. Uh, He's listening. And Esther, uh, we are glad that you could join us for Affirmative Interaction. Thank you for affirming our interaction today. I like how Donnell doing PMIs now, too. <laughs> Donnell over here like, I may destroy you. It's a good show, Donnell. Check it out. I liked it. Vote for Biden. 